Welcome to Jaded YA Reads, a YA read-aloud podcast for teens, tweens, and adults, brought to you by the Wells Public Library. This season, we'll be reading The Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, with permissions from Little, Brown, and Company. Chapter 14 I thought you said your firm had this locked down. Orrin gave Elisa a look. She scowled back at him, made three phone calls in quick succession, two of them in Spanish, and then turned back to my head of security. The leak didn't come from us. Her eyes darted toward Libby. It came from your boyfriend. Libby's answer was barely more than a whisper. My ex. I'm sorry, Libby had apologized at least a dozen times. She told Drake everything, about the will, the conditions on my inheritance, where we were staying, everything. I knew her well enough to know why. He would have been angry that she'd taken off. She would have tried to pacify him. And the moment she told him about the money, he would have demanded to tag along. He would have started making plans to spend the Hawthorne money. And Libby, God bless her, would have told him it wasn't theirs to spend, that it wasn't his. He hit her. She left him. He went to the press. And now they were here. A horde descended on us as Orin led me out a side door. There she is, a voice yelled. Avery! Avery, over here! Avery, how does it feel to be the richest teenager in America? How does it feel to be the world's youngest billionaire? How did you know Tobias Hawthorne? Is it true that you're Tobias Hawthorne's illegitimate daughter? I was shuffled into an SUV. The door closed, dulling the roar of the reporter's questions. Exactly halfway through our drive, I got a text, not from Max, from an unknown number. I opened it and saw a screenshot of a news headline. Avery Grahams, who is the Hawthorne heiress? A short message accompanied the picture. Hey, mystery girl, you're officially famous. There were more paparazzi outside the gates of Hawthorne House, but once we pulled past them, the rest of the world faded away. There was no welcome party, no Jameson, no Grayson, no Hawthorns of any kind. I reached for the massive front door, locked. Elisa disappeared around the back of the house. When she finally reappeared, there was a pained expression on her face. She handed me a large envelope. Legally, she said, the Hawthorne family is required to provide you with keys. Practically speaking, she narrowed her eyes, the Hawthorne family is a pain in the ass. That a legal term? Orrin asked dryly. I ripped open the envelope and found that the Hawthorne family had indeed provided me with keys, somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred of them. Any idea which one of these keys goes to the front door? I asked. They weren't normal keys. They were oversized and ornately made. They all looked like antiques, and each key was distinct. Different designs, different metals, different lengths and sizes. You'll figure it out, someone said. My gaze jerked upward, and I found myself staring at an intercom. Cut the games, Jameson, Elisa ordered. This isn't nearly as cute as you think it is. No reply. Jameson, Elisa tried again. Silence, and then, I have faith in you, M.G. The intercom cut off, and Elisa blew out a long, frustrated breath. God save me from Hawthorns. M.G., Libby asked, bewildered. Mystery girl, I clarified. From what I've gathered, that's Jameson's Hawthorne's idea of a nickname. I turned my attention to the ring of keys in my hand. The obvious solution was to try them all. Assuming one of these keys opened the front door, I'd get lucky eventually. 
But luck didn't feel like enough. I was already the luckiest girl in the world. Some part of me wanted to deserve it. I flipped through the keys, inspecting the designs on the handles. An apple, a snake, a pattern of swirls reminiscent of water. There were keys for each letter of the alphabet, and fancy old-fashioned script. There were keys with numbers and keys with shapes, one with a mermaid, and four different keys featuring eyes. Well, Elisa said abruptly, do you want me to make a phone call? No. I turned my attention from the keys to the door. The design was simple, geometric, not a match for anything on the keys of the I'd looked at so far. That would be too easy, I thought. Too simple. A second later, a parallel thought followed. Not simple enough. I'd learned this playing chess. The more complicated a person's strategy seemed, the less likely an opponent was to look for simple answers. If you could keep someone looking at your knight, you could take them with a pawn. Look past the details, past the complications. I shifted my focus from the handles of the keys to the part that actually went into the lock. Though the keys differed in size overall, the lock end was sized similarly, from key to key. Not just sized similarly, I realized. Looking at two of the keys side by side, the pattern, the mechanism that actually turned the lock, was identical between the two. I moved on to a third key, the same. I began working my way through the ring, comparing each key to the next, one by one. Same, same, same. There weren't a hundred keys on this ring. The faster I flipped through them, the surer I was. There were two. Dozens of copies of the wrong key, dressed up to look different from each other, and then... this one. I finally hit a key with a different pattern from the others. The intercom crackled, but if Jameson was on... But if Jameson was still on the other side, he didn't say a word. I moved to put the key in the lock, and adrenaline jolted through my veins when it turned. Eureka. How did you know which key to use? Libby asked me. The answer came from the intercom. Sometimes, Jameson Hawthorne said, sounding strangely contemplative, things that appear very different on the surface are actually exactly the same at their core. Chapter 15 Welcome home, Avery. Elisa stepped into the foyer and spun to face me. I stopped breathing just for an instant as I crossed the threshold. It was like stepping into Buckingham Palace or Hogwarts and being told that it was yours. Down that corridor, Elisa said, we have the theater, the music room, conservatory, solarium. I didn't even know what half of these rooms were. You've seen the great room, of course, Elisa continued. The formal dining is farther down than the kitchen, the chef's kitchen, there's a chef, I blurted out. There are sushi, Italian, Taiwanese, vegetarian, and pastry chefs on retainer. The voice that said those was male. I turned to see the older couple from the Will's reading standing by the entry to the great room. The Laughlins, I remembered. But my wife handles the cooking day to day, Mr. Laughlin continued gruffly. Mr. Hawthorne was a very private man, Mrs. Laughlin eyed me. He made do with my cooking most days because he didn't like having any more outsiders poking around the house than necessary. There was no doubt in my mind that she was saying house with the capital H, and even less that she considered me an outsider. There are dozens of staff on retainer, Elisa explained. They all receive a full-time wage but work on call. If something needs doing, there's someone to do it, Mr. Laughlin said plainly, and I see that it's done in the most discreet fashion possible. More often than not, you won't even know they're here. But I will, Oren stated. 
Movement on and off the estate is strictly tracked, and no one makes it past the gates without a deep background check. Construction crews, the housekeeping, and gardening staff, every masseuse, chef, stylist, or sommelier, they are all cleared through my team. Sommelier? Stylist? Chef? Masseuse? My brain worked backward through that list. It was dizzying. The gym facilities are down this hall, Elisa said, returning to her tour guide role. There are full-size basketball and racquetball courts, a rock-climbing wall, bowling alley. A bowling alley? I repeated. Only four lanes, Elisa assured me, as if it was perfectly reasonable to have a small bowling alley in one's house. I was still trying to formulate an appropriate response when the front door opened behind me. That day before, Nash Hawthorne had given the impression of someone who was out of here, yet there he was. Motorcycle cowboy, Libby whispered in my ear. Beside me, Elisa stiffened. If everything's in order here, I should check in with the firm. She reached in her suit pocket and handed me a new phone. I programmed in my number, Mr. Laughlin's and Oren's. If you need anything, call. She left without saying a single word to Nash, and he watched her go. You be careful with that one, Mrs. Laughlin advised the eldest Hawthorne brother, once the door had closed. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. That cemented something for me. Elisa and Nash, my lawyer, had advised me against losing my heart to a Hawthorne, and when she'd asked me if I'd ever had my life ruined by one of them, and I'd said no, her response had been, lucky you. Don't go convincing yourself Lily is consorting with the enemy, Nash told Mrs. Laughlin. Avery isn't anyone's enemy. There are no enemies here. This is what he wanted. He, Tobias Hawthorne, even dead, he was larger than life. None of this is Avery's fault, Libby said beside me. She's just a kid. Nash swung his attention to my sister, and I could feel her trying to fade into oblivion. Nash peered through her hair to the black eye underneath. What happened here? he murmured. I'm fine, Libby said, sticking her chin out. I can see that, Nash replied softly. But if you decide you'd like to give me a name, I'd take it. I could see the effect those words had on Libby. She wasn't used to having anyone but me in her corner. Libby, Orrin got her attention. If you've got a moment, I'd like to introduce you to Hector, who'll be running point on your detail. Avery, I can personally guarantee that Nash will not axe-murder you, or allow you to be axe-murdered by anyone while I'm gone. That got a snort from Nash, and I glared at Orrin. He didn't have to advertise how little I trusted them. As Libby followed Orrin into the bowels of the house, I became keenly aware of the way that the oldest Hawthorne brother watched her go. Leave her alone, I told Nash. You're protective, Nash commented, and you seem like you'd fight dirty, and if there's one thing I respect, it's those particular traits in combination. There was a crash, then a thud in the distance. That, Nash said meditatively, would be the reason I came back and not living a pleasant nomadic existence as we speak. Another thud. Nash rolled his eyes. This should be fun. He began striding toward a nearby hall. He looked back over his shoulder. You might as well tag along, kid. You know what they say about baptisms and fire. Chapter 16 Nash had long legs, so a lazy amble on his part required me to jog to keep up. I looked in each room as we passed, but they were all a blur of art and architecture and a natural light. At the end of a long hall, Nash threw open a door. I prepared myself to see evidence of a brawl. 
Instead, I saw Grayson and Jameson standing on opposite sides of a library that took my breath away. The room was circular. Shelves stretched up fifteen or twenty feet overhead, and every single one was lined completely with hardcover books. The shelves were made of a deep, rich wood. Spread across the room, four wrought-iron staircases spiraled towards the upper shelves, like the points on a compass. In the library's center, there was a massive tree stump, easily ten feet across. Even from a distance, I could see the rings marking the tree's age. It took me a moment to realize that it was meant to be used as a desk. I could stay here forever, I thought. I could stay in this room forever and never leave. So, Nash said beside me, casually eyeing his brothers, whose ass do I need to kick first? Grayson looked up from the book he was holding. Must we always resort to fisticuffs? Looks like I have a volunteer for the first ass-kicking, Nash said, then shot a measuring look at Jameson, who was leaning against one of the wrought-iron staircases. Do I have a second? Jameson smirked. Couldn't stay away, could you, big brother? And leave Avery here with you knuckleheads? Until Nash mentioned my name, neither of the other two seemed to have registered my presence behind him, but I felt my invisibility slip away, just like that. I wouldn't worry too much about Ms. Graham's, Grayson said, silver eyes sharp. She's clearly capable of taking care of herself. Translation. I'm a soulless, gold-digging con artist, and he sees straight through me. Don't pay any attention to Gray, Jameson told me lazily. None of us do. Jamie, Nash said. Zip it. Jameson ignored him. Grayson is in training for the insufferable Olympics, and we really think he can go all the way if he can just jam that stick a little farther up his... Asterisk, I thought channeling Max. "'Enough!' Nash grunted. "'What did I miss?' Xander bounded through the doorway. He was wearing a private school uniform, complete with a blazer that he shed in one liquid motion. "'You haven't missed anything at all,' Grayson told him, and Ms. Grahams was just leaving. He flicked his gaze toward me. "'I'm sure you want to get settled.' I was the billionaire now, and he was still giving orders. "'Wait a second. Xander frowned suddenly, taking in the state of the room. Were you guys brawling in here without me? I still saw no visible signs of a fight or destruction, but obviously Xander had picked up on something I hadn't. This is what I get for being the one who doesn't skip school, he said mournfully. At the mention of school, Nash looked from Xander to Jameson. No uniform, he noted. Playing hooky, Jamie? Two ass-kickings it is. Xander heard the phrase ass-kicking, grinned, bounced to the balls of his feet, and pounced with no warning, tackling Nash to the ground. Just some friendly, impromptu wrestling between brothers. Pinned you, Xander declared triumphantly. Nash hooked his ankle around Xander's leg and flipped him, pinning him to the ground. Not today, little brother, Nash grinned, and flashed a much darker look at the other two brothers. Not today. They were, the four of them, a unit. They were Hawthorns. I wasn't. I felt that now in a physical way. They shared a bond that was impervious to outsiders. I should go, I said. I didn't belong here, and if I stayed, all I would do was stare. You shouldn't be here at all, Grayson replied tersely. Stuff a sock in it, Gray, Nash said. What's done is done, and you know as well as I do that if the old man did it, there's no undoing it. Nash swiveled his head toward Jameson. And as for you, self-destructive tendencies aren't nearly as adorable as you think they are. Avery solved the keys, Jameson said casually, faster than any of us. 
For the first time since I'd walked into the room, all four brothers fell into an extended silence. What is going on here, I wondered. The moment felt tense, electric, borderline unbearable, and then... You gave her the keys? Grayson broke the silence. I was still holding the key ring in my hand. It suddenly felt very heavy. Jameson wasn't supposed to give me these. We were legally obligated to hand over... A key. Grayson interrupted Jameson and started stalking slowly toward him, snapping the book in his hand closed. We were legally obligated to give her a key, Jameson, not the keys. I'd assumed that I was being messed with. At best, I'd thought it was a test. But from the way they were talking, it seemed more like a tradition, an invitation, a rite of passage. I was curious how she'd do it, Jameson arched an eyebrow. Do you want to hear her time? No, Nash boomed. I wasn't sure if he was answering Jameson's question or telling Grayson to stop advancing on their brother. "'Can I get up now?' Xander interjected, still pinned between Nash and seemingly in a better humor than the other three combined. "'Nope,' Nash replied. "'I told you she was special,' Jameson murmured as Grayson continued closing in on him. "'And I told you to stay away from her.' Grayson stopped, just out of Jameson's reach. "'So I see that you two are talking again,' Xander commented jollily. Excellent. Not excellent, I thought, unable to draw my eyes away from the storm brewing just feet away. Jameson was taller, Grayson broader through the shoulders. The smirk on the former's face was matched by steel on the latter's. Welcome to Hawthorne House, mystery girl. Jameson's welcome seemed to be more for Grayson's benefit than for mine. Whatever this fight was about, it wasn't just a difference of opinion on recent events. It wasn't just about me. Stop calling me mystery girl. I'd barely spoken since the moment the library door had swung inward, but I was getting sick of playing spectator. My name is Avery. I'd also be willing to call you heiress, Jameson offered. He stepped forward into a beam of light shining down from a skylight above. He was toe-to-toe -to -toe with Grayson now. What do you think, Gray? Got a nickname preference for our new landlord? Landlord. Jameson was rubbing it in, like he could handle being disinherited if it meant that the heir apparent had lost everything, too. "'I'm trying to protect you,' Grayson said lowly. "'I think we both know,' Jameson replied, "'that the only person you've ever protected is yourself.' Grayson went completely, deathly still. "'Xander,' Nash stood, pulling the youngest brother to his feet, "'why don't you show Avery to her wing?' That was either Nash's attempt to prevent a line from being crossed— or an indication that one already had. Come on, Xander bumped his shoulder lightly against mine. We'll stop for cookies on the way. If that statement was meant to dissipate the tension in the room, it didn't work, but it did draw Grayson's attention away from Jameson, for the moment. No cookies, Grayson's voice was strangled, like his throat was closing down around the words, like Jameson's last shot had cut off his air completely. Fine. Xander replied cheerily. You drive a hard bargain, Grayson Hawthorne. No cookies. Xander winked at me. We'll stop for scones. Chapter 17 The first scone is what I like to call the practice scone. Xander stuffed an entire scone in his mouth, handed one to me, then swallowed and continued lecturing. It is not until the third, nay, fourth, scone that you would develop any kind of scone-eating expertise. Scone-eating expertise, I repeated in a deadpan. Your nature is skeptical, Xander noted. That will serve you well in these halls. But if there is one universal truth in the human experience, 
it is that a finely honed scone-eating palate does not just develop overnight. Out of the corner of my eye, I caught sight of Orin and wondered how long he had been tailing us. Why are we standing here talking about scones? I asked Sander. Orin had insisted that the Hawthorne brothers weren't a physical threat, but still. At the very least, Xander should have been trying to make my life miserable. Aren't you supposed to hate me? I asked. I do hate you, Xander replied, happily devouring his third scone. If you notice, I have kept the blueberry confections for myself and gave you, he shuddered, the lemon-flavored scones. Such is the depth of my loathing for you personally and on principle. This isn't a joke. I felt like I'd fallen into Wonderland, and then fallen again, rabbit hole after rabbit hole, in a vicious cycle. Traps upon traps, I could hear Jameson saying, and riddles upon riddles. Why would I hate you, Avery? Xander asked finally. There were layers of emotion in his tone that hadn't been there before. You aren't the one who did this. Tobias Hawthorne had. Maybe you're blameless, Xander shrugged. Maybe you're the evil genius that Gray seems to think you are. But at the end of the day, even if you thought that you'd manipulated our grandfather into this, I guarantee that he'd be the one manipulating you. I thought of the letter that Tobias Hawthorne had left me. Two words, no explanation. Your grandfather was a piece of work, I told Xander. He picked up a fourth scone. I agree. In his honor, I eat this scone. He did just that. Want me to show you your rooms now? There's got to be a catch here. Xander Hawthorne had to be more than he appeared. Just point me in the right direction, I told him. About that. The youngest Hawthorne brother made a face. There's a chance that Hawthorne House is just a tiny bit hard to navigate. Imagine, if you will, that a labyrinth had a baby with Where's Waldo? Only Waldo is your rooms. I attempted to translate that ridiculous sentence. Hawthorne House has an unconventional layout. Xander did away with the fifth and final scone. Has anyone told you that you have a way with words? Hawthorne House is the largest privately owned residence. Hawthorne House is the largest privately owned residential home in the state of Texas. Xander led me up a staircase. I could give you a number for square footage, but it would only be an estimate. The thing that truly separates Hawthorne House from other obscenely large, castle-like structures isn't so much its size as it is its nature. My grandfather added at least one new room or wing every year. Imagine, if you will, that an M.C. Escher drawing conceived a child with Leonardo da Vinci's most masterful designs. Stop, I ordered. New rule. You're no longer allowed to use any terminology for baby-making when describing this house or its occupants, including yourself. Xander brought a hand melodramatically to his chest. Harsh. I shrugged. My house, my rules. He gawked at me. I couldn't believe I'd said it, either, but there was something about Xander Hawthorne that made me feel like I didn't have to apologize for my own existence. Too soon, I asked. I'm a Hawthorne, Xander gave me his most dignified look. It's never too soon to start trash-talking. He resumed playing the tour guide. Now, as I was saying, the east wing is actually the northeast wing, located on the second floor. If you get lost, just look for the old man. Xander nodded toward a portrait on the wall. This was his wing, those last few months. I'd seen pictures of Tobias Hawthorne online, but once I looked at the portrait, I couldn't look away. He had silver-gray hair and a face more weather-worn than I'd realized. His eyes were Grayson's, almost exactly. His build Jameson's, his chin Nash's. If I hadn't seen Xander in motion, I might not have recognized a resemblance between him and the old man at all. 
but it was there in the way Tobias Hawthorne's features pulled together, not the eyes or nose or mouth, but something about the shape in between. I never even met him, I tore my eyes from the portrait and looked at Xander. I'd remember if I had. Are you sure? Xander asked me. I found myself looking back at the portrait. Had I ever met the billionaire? Had our paths crossed, even for a moment? My mind was blank, except for one phrase, looping over and over again. I'm sorry. Chapter 18 Xander left me to explore my wing. My wing. I felt ridiculous even thinking the words. In my mansion. The first four doors led to suites, each of them sized to make a king bed look tiny. The closets could have doubled as bedrooms, and the bathrooms. Showers with built-in seats and a minimum of three different shower heads apiece. Gargantuan bathtubs that came with control panels. Televisions inlaid in every mirror. Dazed, I made my way to the fifth and final door on my hall. Not a bedroom, I realized when I opened it, an office. Enormous leather chairs, six of them, sat in a horseshoe shape, facing a balcony. Glass display shelves lined the walls. Evenly spaced on the shelves were items that looked like they belonged in a museum. Geodes, antique weaponry, statues of onyx and stone. Opposite the balcony, at the back of the room, was a desk. As I got closer, I saw a large bronze compass built into its surface. I trailed my fingers over the compass. It turned northwest, and a compartment in the desk popped open. The wing was where Tobias Hawthorne spent his last few months, I thought. Suddenly, I didn't just want to look in the open compartment. I wanted to rifle through every drawer in Tobias Hawthorne's desk. There had to be something somewhere that he could tell me what he was thinking. Why was I here? Why did he push his family aside for me? Had I done something to impress him? Or did he see something in me? Or mom? I got a closer look at the open compartment. Inside, there were deep grooves carved in the shape of the letter T. I ran my finger across the grooves. Nothing happened. I tested the rest of the drawers, locked. Behind the desk, there were shelves filled with plaques and trophies. I walked toward them. The first plaque had the words United States of America engraved on a gold background. Underneath them, there was a seal. It took a little more reading of the smaller print for me to realize that it was a patent, and not one issued to Tobias Hawthorne. This patent was held by Xander. There were at least half-dozen other patents on the wall, several world records, and trophies in every shape imaginable. A bronze bull rider, a surfboard, a sword. There were medals, multiple black belts, championship cups, some of them national championships, from everything from motocross to swimming to pinball. There was a series of four framed comic books, superheroes I recognized, the kind they made movies about, authored by the four Hawthorne grandsons. A coffee table book of photographs bore Grayson's name on the spine. This wasn't just a display, it was practically a shrine. Tobias Hawthorne's ode to his four extraordinary grandsons. This made no sense. It didn't make sense that any four people, three of them teenagers, could have achieved this much. And it definitely didn't make sense that the man who'd kept this display in his office had decided that none of them deserved to inherit his fortune. Even if you thought that you'd manipulated our grandfather into this, I could hear Xander th saying, I guarantee that he'd be the one manipulating you. Avery? The second I heard my name, I stepped back from the trophies. 
Hastily, I closed the compartment I'd released on the desk. In here, I called back. Libby appeared in the doorway. This is unreal, she said. This entire place is unreal. That's one word for it. I tried to focus on the marvel that was Hawthorne House, and not on my sister's black eye. But I failed. If possible, the bruising looked worse now. Libby wrapped her arms around her torso. I'm fine, she said when she noticed my stare. It doesn't even hurt that much. Please tell me you're done with him. The words escaped before I could stop them. Libby needed support right now, not judgment. But I couldn't help thinking that Drake had been her ex before. I'm here, aren't I? Libby said. I choose you. I wanted her to choose herself, and I said as much. Libby let her hair fall into her face and turned toward the balcony. She was silent for a full minute before she spoke again. My mom used to hit me. Only when she was really stressed, you know. She was a single mom, and things were hard. I could understand that. I tried to make everything easier. I could picture her as a kid, getting hit and trying to make it up to the person who hit her. Libby. Drake loved me, Avery. I know he did, and I tried so hard to understand. She was hugging herself harder now. The black polish on her nails looked fresh, perfect. But you were right. My heart broke a little. I didn't want to be. Libby stood there for a few more seconds, and then walked over to the balcony and tested the air. I followed, and the two of us stepped out into the night air. Down below, there was a swimming pool. It must have been heated, because someone was swimming laps. Grayson. My body recognized him before my mind did. His arms beat against the water in a brutally efficient butterfly stroke, and his back muscles. I have to tell you something, Libby said beside me. That let me tear my eyes away from the pool and the swimmer. About Drake? I asked. No, I heard something, Libby swallowed. When Orrin introduced me to my security detail, I overheard Zara's husband talking. They're running a test, a DNA test, on you. I had no idea where Zara and her husband had gotten a sample of my DNA, but I wasn't entirely surprised. I thought it myself. The simplest explanation for including a total stranger in your will was that she wasn't a total stranger. The simplest explanation was that I was a Hawthorne. I had no business watching Grayson at all. If Tobias Hawthorne was your father, Libby managed, then our dad, my dad, isn't. And if we don't share a dad, and we barely even saw each other growing up, don't you dare say we're not sisters, I told her. Would you still want me to be here? Libby asked, her fingers rubbing on her choker. If we're not... I want you here, I promised, no matter... Chapter 19 that night, I took the longest shower of my life. The hot water supply was endless. The glass doors on the shower held in the steam. It was like having my own personal sauna. After drying off with plush, oversized towels, I put on my ratty pajamas and flopped down on what I was pretty sure were Egyptian cotton sheets. I wasn't sure how long I'd been lying there when I heard it. A voice. Pull the candlestick. I was on my feet in an instant, whirling to put my back to the wall. On instinct, I grabbed the keys I'd left on the nightstand, in case I needed a weapon. My eyes scanned the room for the person who'd spoken, and came up empty. Pull the candlestick on the fireplace, heiress, unless you want me stuck back here? Annoyance replaced my initial fight-or-flight response. I narrowed my eyes at the stone fireplace at the back of my room. Sure enough, there was a candelabra on the mantel. 
Pretty sure this qualifies as stalking, I told the fireplace. Or more accurately, the boy on the other side of it. Still, I couldn't not pull the candlestick. Who could resist something like that? I wrapped my hand around the base of the candelabra. I was met with resistance, and another suggestion came from behind the fireplace. Don't just pull forward, angle it down. I did as I was instructed. The candelabra rotated, and then I heard a click, and the back of the fireplace separated from its floor, just by an inch. A moment later, I saw fingertips in the gap, and I watched as the back of the fireplace was lifted up and disappeared behind the mantel. Now at the back of the fireplace, there was an opening. Jameson Hawthorne stepped through. He straightened, then returned the candle to its upright position, and the entry he just used was slowly covered once more. Secret passage, he explained unnecessarily. The house is full of them. Am I supposed to find that comforting, I asked him, or terrifying? You tell me, mystery girl. Are you comforted or terrified? He let me sit with that for a moment. Or is it possible that you're intrigued? The first time I met Jameson Hawthorne, he was drunk. This time, I didn't smell alcohol in his breath, but I wondered how much he'd slept since the reading of the will. His hair was behaving itself, but there was something wild in the glinting green eyes. "'You're not asking about the keys,' Jameson offered me a crooked little smile. "'I expected you to ask about the keys.' I held them up. "'This was your doing.' "'Not a question, and he didn't treat it like one. "'It's a little bit of a family tradition.' "'I'm not family.' He tilted his head to one side. "'Do you believe that?' I thought about Tobias Hawthorne, about the DNA test that Zara's husband was already running. I don't know. It would be a shame, Jameson continued, if we were related. He spared another smile for me, slow and sharp-edged, don't you think? What was it with me and Hawthorne boys? Stop thinking about his smile. Stop looking at his lips. Just stop. I think that you already have more family than you can deal with, I crossed my arms. I also think you're a lot less smooth than you think you are. You want something. I'd always been good at math. I'd always been logical. He was here, in my room, flirting for a reason. Everyone is going to want something from you soon, Eris, Jameson smiled. The question is, how many of us want something you're willing to give? Even just the sound of his voice, the way he phrased things, I could feel myself wanting to lean toward him. This was ridiculous. Stop calling me Eris, I shot back, and if you turn answering my question into some kind of riddle, I'm calling security. That's the thing, mystery girl. I don't think I'm turning anything into a riddle. I don't think I have to. You are a riddle, a puzzle, a game. My grandfather's last. He was looking at me so intently now, I didn't look away. Why do you think this house has so many secret passages? Why are there so many keys that don't work in any of the locks? Every desk my grandfather ever bought had secret compartments. There's an organ in the theater, and if you play a specific sequence of notes, it unlocks a hidden drawer. Every Saturday morning, from the time I was a kid until the night my grandfather died, he sat my brothers down. He sat my brothers and me down and gave us a riddle, a puzzle, an impossible challenge, something to solve. And then he died. And then, Jameson took a step forward, there was you. Me. Grayson thinks you're some master manipulator. My aunt is convinced you must have Hawthorne blood, but I think you're the old man's final riddle, the one last puzzle to be solved. He took another step, bringing the two of us that much closer. He chose you for a reason, Avery. 
You're special, and I think he wanted us, wanted me, to figure out why. I'm not a puzzle. I could feel my heart beating in my neck. He was close enough now to see my pulse. Sure you are, Jameson replied. We all are. Don't tell me that some part of you hasn't been trying to figure us out. Grayson, me, maybe even Xander. Is this all just a game to you? I put my hand out to stop him from advancing further. He took one last step, forcing my palm to his chest. Everything's a game, Avery Grams. The only thing we get to decide in this life is if we play to win. He reached up to brush the hair from my face, and I jerked back. Get out, I said lowly. Use the normal door this time. My entire life, no one had touched me as gently as he had a moment before. You're angry, Jameson said. I told you, if you want something, ask. Don't come in here talking about how I'm special. Don't touch my face. You are special. Jameson kept his hands to himself, but the heady expression in his eyes never shifted. And what I want is to figure out why. Why you, Avery? He took a step back, giving me space. Don't tell me you don't want to know, too. I did. Of course I did. I'm going to leave this here, Jameson held up an envelope. He laid it carefully on the mantel. Read it, and then tell me this isn't a game to be won. Tell me this isn't a riddle. Jameson reached for the candelabra, and as the fireplace passage opened once more, he offered a targeted parting shot. He left you the fortune, Avery, and all he left us is you.